Hi, welcome to Remote Controlled, Variety's TV podcast. I'm Deborah Birnbaum. Every week, we'll bring you conversations with some of the best and brightest in television, working behind and in front of the camera. On today's episode, we're talking with the cast of Will and Grace about what to expect from the revival. Stay tuned. I'm Deborah Birnbaum, and it's my pleasure to welcome Deborah Messing. Hello. I love meeting another Deborah, especially and one who spells it my way. It. That's what I was just about to say. It's such a rarity, isn't it? It's such a rarity. What's the story behind your spelling? Uh, no story. Really? What about yours? Mine is my parents felt my last name was so long. It's because it's Birnbaum. They didn't want to give me a long Deborah. Oh, okay. Isn't that funny? I Anna. wish I had a story. Yeah. You can you can share mine. Okay. Okay. That's a good one. <laughs> anyway, congratulations on Will and Grace. Thank you so much. How does it feel to step back into the part? It it is so surreal and um, joyful. Uh, obviously, it never crossed our minds that this would ever happen. I mean, it's insane. Next year will be twenty years since we shot the pilot. Oh my god! Wow. So it's uh, it's it's unprecedented. So I think we're all kind of still feeling like we're walking around in a dream. Yesterday we did our first table read, and we were on the set. In the old apartment. Wow. And the old apartment now, 11 years later, is is a little fancier, but it's still the old apartment. And uh, I think we're all really excited to have this this second go-round. You know, things in our country have been really kind of uh, chaotic and scary and sad and frustrating. And, and uh, I think when we all got together, we were like, you know, we need to laugh again. I'm sure there are people out there, you know, who feel like they need to laugh too. And, and I, we all just want to do that again. We want to, to do what Will and Grace did best, which was, you know, to make you laugh out loud while shining a light on, on things that are going on in the world, whether or not it's hypocrisy or, you know, just trying to make people, um, reevaluate their points of view and mm-hmm. or you know open up people's um dialogues it's you know and i think now because the country is so divisive every there's a lot of things that are so divisive that it feels like just the the right time for this all to happen it feels kind of like kismet oh absolutely i mean we were just talking about the legacy of the show i mean it was really it opened the door opened america's eyes to gay culture it's yeah. got such a fantastic reputation for that so it almost feels like a perfect show for right now. Yeah. Exactly for the issues you're talking about. And I you know what I'm looking forward to is just is just going further. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I think when we were when we came on, it, we really dealt with, you know, LGB. That was as far as we got. <laughs> you have a few more letters now. <laughs> and I want to finish the whole alphabet. So, um and I, you know, it's it's great to be able to just just keep you know, opening opening up and, and just celebrating everybody. So where is Grace right now when the series picks up? Uh, Grace is single, and she is living with Will. Of course she is. <laughs> in the apartment again. Um, she is very successful. Uh, she's a very successful interior designer. Um, and she's very fulfilled by that and um, inspired by it and content. And the events of the series finale? Uh, you will find out that that was a dream. <laughs> um, it's it's uh, Karen's dream, which makes sense because she's always um, intoxicated on something. Um, you know, the story goes is that, that Max and Dave, the creators of the show, figuring out how to deal, like where to start again, uh, took them the longest to figure right. out. And what they ended up coming back to was that if Will and Grace have kids, then the show will be about Will and Grace being parents. And if you want it to be about the foursome and they have kids, then Will and Grace will just be bad parents. And we don't want to see them being bad parents. (laughs) No no one wants to see that. So thus, you know, it, it never happened. How did it feel to you to play Grace again? Were you able to step right back into her? You know, the we just did our first table read yesterday, so we haven't even gotten on our feet. And mm-hmm. you know, 
it's so physical. The comedy, you know, is really physical. So um, I, I it, it it felt a little like, you know, just just dipping our toes into the water, you know. And I think I think we're all very excited to get to work tomorrow because tomorrow is going to be the first day where we really can just get back to work. How much are you able to improv? Uh, you know, we, it, it was a very democratic set. So whoever came up with the funniest idea won, and it didn't matter where it came from. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, you know, when you, when you feel safe in a creative environment like that, and you know it's, it's the purest collaboration in the best way, um, you know, you, you are allowed to try things. And, and often it would, you know, it wouldn't make it into the show, but it would inspire something that the writers would then write to and take the scene into a, maybe a slightly different direction. And um, it's, yeah. Yeah. Have you talked with Max and David about things you wanted to see for Grace? The only thing I said, the only thing I said was that I wanted her to be a feminist. Which I, you know, I think she always was. Absolutely. She always was. Mm-hmm. But again, because of where we are, you know, things are, are being pushed backwards uh, on, you know, on many levels, you know, in social policy. And, and so I just wanted her to be, you know, an outspoken person when it comes to being a woman and women's, women's rights. So the show will be able to comment on what's happening right now politically? Absolutely. That's, you know, that's good. That's what's going to be so fun. It must mean so much to you. Um, oh, my God, I lost my train of thought. Um, oh, because I was thinking about the election special. Yeah. Um, talk about how that election special came together. Um, Max and Dave had the entire set um, sent to Emerson College in Massachusetts, where they both graduated from. And it has been there for 10 years, like a Smithsonian. Like That's un- amazing. Untouched. And Max got a call in uh, over the summer that there was a water leak and that he had to take the entire set back while they, they fixed it. Mm-hmm. And it was around that time when, um, you know, it was, it, the election was coming up and, and I was very active because I was a surrogate for Hillary Clinton at the time. And he just came up with this epiphany of, you know, we all want to be able to do something. We all want to make sure people get out and vote. Uh, You know, and then we got the email. What do you guys think about doing a tiny little skit? You know, and it's already built in. Each character has a different point of view. And we really do represent all of America in in our, you know, points of view. And within 20 minutes, all four of us said yes. Amazing. Which is a miracle because... I mean, I think I think Megan was in Australia singing. You know, I was on the set of Mysteries of Laura. You know, Eric was in Toronto. I, I, Sean was... I mean, we were all over the place. And the idea that he was able to pick two days that we would all be able to be available, mm-hmm. it just was like... It, like I said, it's like Kismet. It was like meant to be. Were you surprised by the reaction to it? It felt like people were so into it. I was. I was. Ex- I was really. I was really gratified by the response. You know, we when we walked on that set after eleven years, we were all just silent, and uh, it was a very powerful moment. It was emotional. It was um, obviously nostalgic. It. It just. It was. It. It. It, it was big and. I think we were all scared to act together again. And once we did and it felt so good, then we wanted everyone to see it. So then to find out that, you know, 7 million people watched it and liked it and that on social media people were saying, you got to bring it back, you got to bring it back. Now is the time, you know, it's even more appropriate for this time than it was its original go-round. And so then, then, you know, the conversation began. It feels like TV has changed so much, though, the show was on the air. I mean, you know, yeah. the idea of doing a multicam even seems radical now. Yep, yep. So how does it feel to, you know, come back and do all of this now? It feels great. It really does. Um, you know, I grew up on, 
on uh, I Love Lucy and Carol Burnett and um, Madeline Kahn and Mary Tyler Moore and, and Julia Louis-Dreyfus and all of that, you know, that for me was comedy and that was for me what great television was. Mm-hmm. Um, I love television. I love how expansive it's become and, uh, you know, now there are so many amazing comedies that are single camera that are able to have a richness and subtleties that you just can't get in a four camera comedy but I do miss that classic television I you know I miss the the you know looking forward to watching Seinfeld or Frasier or Cheers and um and I I remember you know over the years since when people would say okay what what kind of tv show do you want to do Mm -hmm. And I would say, you know, I would want to I would want to do a four camera four camera comedy, but it's people just don't write them anymore. Right. And so to all of a sudden have this opportunity to go back to something that obviously is so beloved, you know, by the four of us to be able to go back to it, um, it 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 really is a it really is a gift. How are you going to feel about getting back on stage and performing this in front of an audience? Are you ready for that? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I better be because we're doing it on Wednesday. Excellent. Oh, my gosh. I mean, you know, I, I, I did Broadway. I did a Broadway play over the course of the 11 years. And, you know, I started out in theater. All four of us did, which is why we all believe we have the connection we do because we all started out in, in the theater. Um so being in front of an audience feels very natural to me. Uh, I think it's just it's more about just um, discovering who Grace is eleven years later. I think that's the thing that's that's really just sort of hovering over everybody. Like, okay, where are we now? Because obviously, I'm a completely different person than I was eleven sure. years ago. And how your relationships are with each other eleven years later? Yeah, yeah, it's going to be fun. And the chemistry between you guys, I mean, it's also amazing to see, you know, four cast members, four actors who are so clearly attached to each other. It's it's really a blessing. Um, I, it, You know, chemistry is not something you can force. Um, it's either there or it's not. And, um, you know, we were just uh, charmed with this incredible set full of people who really really enjoyed each other and respected each other and it became a family and I know that's a cliche but I mean this is almost 20 years later and we have the same makeup artist same hair person same costume designer we have same um you know producers we have I mean everybody has come back and I think it's a testament to how dear and close you know we we all feel to one another and how much we love this and you know it really does not matter if i don't see sean for 10 years he you know it, the second i see him you know it feels like i saw him yesterday and he is my brother and you know until we die the four of us are going to be um happily our own little weird family and I would hope that the characters haven't matured at all since we last saw them. Well, that wouldn't be funny, would it? <laughs> Not so much. No. No. <laughs> well, I can't wait to see what's in store. Thank you so much. It was a Thank pleasure you. speaking with you. It was you. great speaking with you, too. After Deborah Messing and I bonded about the way we both spell our name, I sat down with her co-star, Eric McCormick. Hi, it's Deborah Birnbaum, and my pleasure to welcome Eric McCormick. Uh, my pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me in <clears throat> in your hotel room. <laughs> it, it feels <laughs> feels like the dirtiest podcast ever. Exactly, it's going to take a turn. This is how scandals get started. I know. So, congratulations on Willie Grace. Thank you. What made you decide to get back into this part? I don't think I could have possibly had any other answer. You know, I mean, the just the. The, the path, the journey of this thing, that it started with something we did as a lark, as a 10-minute um, political thing for, for the internet, uh, which really only happened because the set came into Max Muchnick's hands, the creator of the show. 
I mean, the series of events that led to this happening is is so crazy. Um, and then to hear NBC say, we want to do it again exactly like we did it. Yeah. Thursdays, 9 o'clock, the same cast. It, it's... it's uh, I, I, I do another show for Netflix. It's a time travel show. And I've been telling people, I'm doing two time travel shows <laughs> this year. How did it feel to step back into the character? Um... It's uh, surprisingly surprisingly easy when I get with these people. You know, the four of us are like kids in a in a sandbox, and uh, when that sand it, it could be anywhere, but when the sandbox is uh, the four of us on stage in that apartment set, it just kind of it happens very naturally. So, where is Will when the series picks up? Uh, Will is still a lawyer. Um, he apparently uh, is no longer with the Bobby Cannavale, which is uh, too bad for Will. Um, but good for the series because it's, you know, you, uh, what we really wanted uh, when we realized that this could happen is, is to find our way back to that sort of perfect moment somewhere in season three, season four, when they were all free and they were all free to be funny. And sometimes marriage and kids and all of that can, can change a show a lot. And it becomes about something else. Right. And, it's a different show. Yeah. And we wanted this really to be about those four characters, but now in this present environment with in this with the technology of 2017 how are they coping what are they doing so he's still a lawyer but he's uh, he's still single and uh still living with grace adler <laughs> of course he is of course it is it, that's what it's called okay and then, then the show takes a political turn <laughs> And then, yes, exactly right. And then news from the front. Exactly. We've got breaking news. Uh, yeah, so it's, it's really, I, I think people, particularly the fans that paid attention to the finale that, uh, for whom it meant something, it certainly meant something to me. Mm-hmm. We had every intention of wrapping it up. That was, uh, we wanted to, to do it our way. Having no idea that 11 years later we'd be, putting on this this big gay coat again. So so uh, some of the things that happened up till the end will will still have happened. Uh, Grace's marriage to Harry Connick's Leo and um, my my marriage to uh, to uh, Bobby Cannavale's Vince, but um, we're going to get around the children aspect of it that, that ended the finale. We're going to uh, that never happened. We'll make that un- we'll, the audience will uh, I think have a good time with how we do that. So it was all a dream. <laughs> Something like that. Something like that. Have you spent time with the writers figuring out where the arc of the show is going to go? I have had the greatest time because, and I used to be this way anyway. But I've been doing this other show, and I've been in Vancouver. So I can honestly say that I know as much about what's about to happen to these characters as the audience does. <laughs> I, I am absolutely in the dark. I saw the first script days ago, and we shoot it next week. And I love that. Mm-hmm. My favorite thing about television in general, but particularly about Will and Grace, was being as in the dark about my character's future as he is and, and going to the mailbox on the day of the next read-through and... And opening that script and just how fresh that feels and not and so I, I absolutely am not in the know and uh, I'm the worst person to ask about what's going to happen <laughs> but I love that I, I think that that's that is part of that sandbox effect I was talking about that we are sure. like children the four of mm-hmm. us and and the the more dopey I am the less I the less I know the the better off how much do you get to improvise at all or will you get to improvise we fool around a lot while we're rehearsing. But what you see on the screen is never improvised. It's uh, it's very carefully written by some of our old writers, who I'm so excited to have back, and some some young new writers that they brought in um, that are going to bring some real fresh blood. Because I would imagine between the four of you, there's just sort of this natural chemistry that things are going to come out of that. There definitely is. And a lot of the physical stuff, a lot of the funny stuff that Sean did over the years physically or that Megan did were things we found with uh, with Jim Burroughs, our director. Um, but uh, most of the words, all of the words, are are on the page. And and thank God because th- that's it's incredible to be able to take something and make people think that you're making it up. That that is supposed to be the idea. That is the magic of the show. Yeah. yeah. How do you think TV has changed since Will and Grace was on the air? Well, I mean, when you think about the sitcoms, like traditional sitcoms, um, they were everywhere. They were everywhere. We were kind of the last of 
of a great big herd. You know, nowadays you've got your you've got Big Bang, you've got Mom. There's not a whole lot of other four camera shows that shoot in front of an audience. Um, even How I Met Your Mother, which was seemed traditional, was not. It was mm-hmm. not shot in front of an audience. So, and I think a lot of people forget that that's what these shows were. When I tell people I'm going back to this job, and then they say, oh, long hours. No, we shoot the whole thing in three hours in front of an audience. <laughs> in front of an audience? It's like, I still think it's, it's the effect that Gilligan's Island had in the 60s when all that canned laughter came in and Brady mm-hmm. Bunch. People forget that All in the Family and Cheers and some of the greatest comedies ever were shot in front of people, and that's how we do it. Um, and that's the specialness of of what's changed is, the, is that that's gone away, and we're we're, we're going to bring it back. Do you enjoy doing that, performing in front of an audience? Absolutely. All four of us come from the theater, one way or another, and um, and so that that part of it was always really natural. And I was always amazed. We'd have some of these major guest stars who were sometimes so nervous. And I'd think, well, how could you, look at you, you're a big star. But that's not what they do. They hadn't been in front of an audience in in years. And it was the most nerve-wracking part of the show for them. For us, we th- we thrived on it. And uh, a lot of the best jokes that were ever on the show were written moments before we said them. They were a rewrite. You know, mm-hmm. the joke we, the first time through in front of the audience, eh, kind of lay flat. Some great writer would go, how about this? They'd whisper in our ear and... And that was on the air. And I can still look at reruns and go, I have no memory of saying that joke. That's how, <laughs> that's how fresh the show was. And that's, I think, the thing I most look forward to getting back to. Are you going to be able to step right back into that and just be able to be, you know, perform in front of an audience again like that? Well, knock wood. I think, it'll, I mean, I, I think it's going to be, we've got to find our, our sea legs again. But uh, just yesterday, just reading the script for the first time, we had a big crowd, you know, a lot of people from NBC and... Um, but you find it again quickly. You know, you, you realize the voice of the show is a great, big, loud, funny voice that uh, you can only be so subtle with. Have the characters matured at all since then? Oh, God, no. <laughs> Good. <laughs> no, I don't know what we do with maturity. <laughs> maturity isn't funny. No, I think they're all just as uh, as shallow and, and full of anxiety as, as ever before. And you're all going to bounce off each other, I'm sure. But that is, yeah, that is the fun part. Um, and when the, when the show was first conceived, I know that Max and David uh, considered that Will and Grace will have the body of the show, and they'll each have one best friend, sort of, that they'll okay. go occasionally. And it was only after we shot the pilot that somebody said, you know, Karen and Jack should probably meet mm-hmm. at some point. Well, of course, you know, they bumped stomachs. And <laughs> so then there was that uh, sort of carnival mirror relationship going on, you know, and then the relationship between Jack and Grace and my relationship with Karen. There's so many, so many areas to play and we all bounce off each other in, in different and very acerbic ways. I think, it's, I think that was the secret to the success of the show. Yeah, for sure. Um, what, were you surprised by the reaction to the election special? It felt like people were really excited to see you guys back together again. I was. I think the thing I keep saying, and I, <clears throat> again, I knock wood, but I've been amazed at the lack of cynicism in in response to the show. You know, whenever we hear the Rolling Stones are going on tour, the first thing everybody does is say something mean. <laughs> oh, they're too old. Oh, who wants to see that? And there just hasn't been anything like that. I just compared our, us to the Rolling Stones, by the way. I, I really well just I really just did that. But <laughs> that was pretty amazing. <laughs> but I mean, there hasn't been that. There hasn't even even in the most critical side of the press people haven't been going oh why do that uh, nobody there's been a tremendous optimism and a, and, a, and a realization that bringing the show back is is something that we could really use right now and that and that the the spark of it was still there and that it was being used for good you know we're, we're not going to be an overtly political show all the time but we are we are going to exist in this climate, and we always commented on on things political or cultural um, in our way. So I think it was just sort of the right it was the right thing to come back at the right time. It does feel like, and especially you know where we are as a culture right now, this is the perfect show to comment on everything that's happening. I think it can be, but also because because people have instant comment. I mean, they've got Colbert at the end of every day saying brilliant things. They've got at the end of the week, they've got John Oliver or Bill Maher. Um, we're not going to have that kind of topicality. It takes six, six weeks to get a show on the air. But we will be able to comment, particularly on, on gay culture and um, 
a lot of other things that that those guys are not necessarily going to get into. We have a particular viewpoint of four different characters and two very strong sh- show creators um, that I think is it's, it's a great time for those voices again. The show is also credited with having a legacy of really opening up America to gay culture. So what does that mean for you? I, I was incredibly proud of that. Um, you don't... You know, in your 30s, you're not going out to uh, auditions for sitcoms uh, on networks thinking that you're going to do any political good. I mean, and even in our first, second season, we weren't thinking that at all. That was something that happened over time um, as young men would come up to us and say, you know, I didn't think I'd be able to come out to my mother. And then I realized that the reason I couldn't get her attention was that she kept watching Will and Grace all the time. And and, and I heard that story time and time again. And that's a kind of political effect that is, you don't see coming and isn't overtly political. It's personal mm-hmm. and it's in people's living rooms and it's through comedy. Um, and so when we, when we drop a particularly funny political bomb, it was in the midst of that. It was always uh, in sheep's clothing. And, um, and so I, I, I'm proud of the fact that over time we snuck into people's hearts and and minds and people that never thought they'd sit and watch a gay show, you know. It kind of makes it the perfect show for right now. I think it's it's a great big pink Trojan horse that I, I think we can uh, <laughs> we can show up and uh, and remind people that there's there's good to be done even with the uh, the wackiest of comedies. And certainly in the strangest of times. Yeah, no stranger, absolutely no stranger than it is right now. Best of luck. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure speaking you with you. You too. Thank you. Next up is Sean Hayes, who promised that Jack is back and as outrageous as ever. Hi, I'm Deborah Birnbaum with Variety. It's my pleasure to welcome Sean Hayes. Hello, Deb. How are you? I'm good. Thanks so much for joining me. Of course. I'm, it's a pleasure to be here in this uh, hotel room. <laughs> it's very bizarre. Yeah, the last time I was with a woman in a hotel room was never. <laughs> this is how get stories get told. Mm-hmm. So congratulations on Will and Grace. Uh, thank you. We're really, really excited. We can't believe it's happening. And it's, uh, everybody's thrilled. Fans are so into it. What made you say yes to coming back to this part? Well, you know, we did that election video back in October, I think, of 2016, and um, and we all kind of, and we were on the original sets, and I can't believe they had the original set in storage, but um, and we all felt the same spark we did before, and the writing was so crisp, and we still had energy to do it, and it was really fun, and we all kind of discussed through emails and phone calls and everything, like, should we do this again? And uh, it just seemed natural it seemed like a wonderful evolution from from something good came something even great greater so where is jack when we find him again jack is still living across the hall from will of course um and it's so great because i have um friends in similar situations and by the way i still live in the same place (laughs) so i include myself in those friends that uh still live in the same place so that seems very natural but um the one thing i can reveal is that Jack uh, will be uh, instructing um, on an educational level a new form of acting called jacting. <laughs> of course he is. Yeah. And what is he's jacking? Gonna tr- he's going to trademark that. Um, you know what? Your guess is as good as mine, <laughs> but that's what I've been told. Yeah. I don't know what it is. I can't wait to find out. Yeah, me too. How did it feel to step back into this character? It's uh, great. You know, it's weird. It's really weird because I have... Uh, gotten older and so because of that I've changed I think and um, become a little more introverted and um, and not I'm not seeking as much as I was before and I don't know what that means yet but in general um, and so for to, to, to jump back in the skin of somebody who is I'll get there but to jump back in the skin of someone who's so out there and extroverted and um energized is uh, a challenge but a fun one is he in the same you know mental place that he was before has he matured at all um you know what i i don't of course he has um but uh in different ways we'll 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 see but at the core he's still you know a man chasing um 
doesn't really get it together kind of person, which is why we love him, I think. We see the the, the core of him um, thinking he's, you know, he has delusions of grandeur is is still who he is, and I think that's what people like about him. And what are his, what are his relationships like with everyone else? Where does he and Karen stand? Uh, everybody's pretty much the same. I mean, we're, we're all in each other's lives. It's almost like we're picking up where we left off. It's only you know, 11 years later. But, but as far as, because, you know, it's an interesting question because I think in our, in our own lives and in, 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 in real life, uh, our friends and family who we see and communicate with every day, we don't see them changing. So, uh, I think the same can be the set, same can be said for our characters. You know, we don't, um, we don't really see, see change. So I think that's kind of good. And as you know as, what I mean? Like, yes. don't you have friends that you're like, how have they changed? They haven't. Of course. Like, I've, I've seen them every day. Yeah. I have one, one of my best friends who I've known since I'm 14 years old and she is exactly the same person. Mm-hmm. And she says it to me and people, people who see me are like, you haven't changed at all. So you knows? haven't changed at all. <laughs> <laughs> it's still Jack. Yeah. And the chemistry between all of you just seemed like it was instantaneous. It's unbelievable. You know, we've always kept in touch, um, over the years and, it's been great, and we always run into each other because it's a small business and it's a small world. But uh, to get together and see each other every day, it's like seeing your brothers and sisters and family. It's, it's a no-brainer. And what are the things that you want to see explored over the course of the season? Do you know what's coming? Uh, I don't. You know, the writers, don't, I know it's such a boring, you have no, I have nothing to offer for you <laughs> for your podcast um, as far as um, tantalizing information, but... Um, we don't. I kind of like that the writers don't tell us things. I like to be as surprised as the audience. So when we, when I, I get the script a week before we shoot it, and I like that. I don't want to. I don't want things in my head to overthink them. What for? You know, over over the course of time. And then TV has changed so much since you guys were on the air. But this just feels like a show that people can step right back into. Is that your perspective? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I think I don't think TV's change i don't think content has changed it's just gotten massive and and the, and the viewing habits have changed but as far as content goes there's still amazing content being made and you know and i think personally i'm biased but i think will and grace is one of those great pieces of content so i think people crave great things and i think that the landscape has become so saturated with channels and 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 content that people long for the um choice to be made for them almost to what is good they nobody has the time to suss out uh if something's good or not they want to wait for great reviews they want to great wait, wait for um word of mouth and will and grace is something they know they're familiar with and they know will deliver because they're we lived in their living rooms so um I think you can count on that, you know, um, as opposed to spending hours and hours trying to find the next great Stranger Things, which I'm a huge fan of. But it's true. I mean, there's 500 shows on the air. It's really hard for something to break out. It right. makes sense, you know, with revivals that these are things that immediately grab people's attention. That's right. Yeah. I mean, because it is. It's. I. I think this is a a call to the business that there's too much out there. And um, and this is why I think you're right. I think um, if I remove myself from this, I think it's okay to say, I think this is why there's so much anticipation for the show. Were you surprised by the fan reaction to the election thing you did? Absolutely. I didn't know anybody gave a shit anymore. <laughs> uh, but, you know, we did it for the purpose of of the cause, you know. And what was great about the election video was every character represented a different person, uh, a different point of view. Karen represented Trump. Will and Grace represented Hillary, and Jack represented the undecideds. So I thought it was pretty clever the way they did that. And that's what's great about the show is there's so many different point of views. But um, I was surprised by the fan reaction. I thought, I don't know, like, you know, a thousand people say this, and it was millions and millions of people. I'm like, what? And then that's, that jump started this whole conversation we're having. It's amazing. There was also the question of the series finale of the show. It's kind of set yeah. up a future for the characters. I've heard mm-hmm. that that's not going to be... Uh, yes, <laughs> you love me checking in. Um, correct. We're going to um, address that finale and how it plays into the show in the very first scene 
of the first episode back. It was all a dream. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Fantastic. Um, well, thank you so much. It was a pleasure speaking to you. Oh my gosh, you. Deb. Uh, likewise. You're lovely. And finally, I chatted with Megan Mullally about stepping back into Karen's heels. Hi, I'm Deborah Birnbaum, and it's my pleasure to welcome Megan Mullally. <laughs> Hi, Deb. How are you doing? I'm great. So, congratulations, you just got a second season pickup. Yeah, just now. I'm even before it. the first episode aired. Bef- before we've even shot it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a big leap of faith. It it's sure a vote of confidence, is. I should I, say. It sure is. I mean, it's really very, it's pretty touching, and I think a miracle that we're even doing the show again in the first place, but. I think, of course, you know, it's a business decision on some level, but it's predicated on this unbelievably passionate, uh, voracious, you know, response we've gotten from the fans about the possibility of the show coming back. It's just really been overwhelming. Were you surprised by that? I was really surprised. I didn't start on social media until later in the game and I never posted anything about Well and Grace because I thought well that's you know old news nobody cares about that and then at some point something happened and I think Deborah and I tweeted something together and it got like 50 quadrillion likes and I was like what and then when we did the whole election video my for example my Insta doubled overnight Amazing. When we started teasing that video, and then it came out, and it got, like, millions and millions of views, and then everybody was like, we want more, bring it back. I mean, it's it's unbelievable when you post something, and it gets that much, that many likes, and then all of the comments are totally favorable. You know, nobody's like, that old thing. <laughs> Everybody's, you know, just off the charts excited. Why do you think it engendered so much passion in people? Why are people so excited to see the show come back? You know, I think just because it was a really funny show. <laughs> I mean, you know, you can break it down and think, well, it, you know, it had a big impact on people's, you know, tolerance levels toward, you know, LGB at that time mm-hmm. and now TQ and I uh, issues, which is gr- incredible and amazing, and none of us could have ever had the hubris to predict any of that. But I think at the end of the day. It's a funny show about, you know, four unlikely friends. And um, in this particular climate that we're in right now, like, that's what I want to see. I want to watch that. I want to watch The Bachelor franchise, you know? (laughs) I mean, I don't want to go any deeper. (laughs) Um, You know, because after you watch MSNBC and CNN and read, you know, Twitter... It's it's time to watch Well and Grace. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. But in the same way, you guys have also been able to comment on society and what's happening in culture, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And that's going to continue because this is Well and Grace 2017. It's a whole new kettle of fish. And 11 years have gone by for us IRL <laughs> and uh, as the characters. So that will all be reflected. How did it feel for you to step back into Karen? Were you able to embrace it right away? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of weird how it just was like no time at all had gone by. I mean, I keep saying, like, the weirdest thing about the entire experience is that it doesn't feel weird at all. It's like we just went away for the weekend. And um, the same with the character. The character was just there. So where is Karen when we find her when the series picks up? Oh, you know, best friends with Donnie and Melania, (laughs) hanging out at Mar-a-Lago. You know, her usual hideousness. <laughs> Present day. Of, of course, of course. And then it feels like, too, that chemistry came back right away with the rest of the cast. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's funny, even just in a photo shoot, we're just immediately all over each other, just climbing all over each other, which is what we used to do, and that has not changed. And the Karen and Jack relationship, is that just where it was before? Oh, yeah. I mean, well, Sean is, you know, he's my psychic twin. So, yeah, we, that's all. I love, I love Sean. I love Eric. I love Deborah. I mean, we're lucky. 
Um, how much can you bring to the character of your own? I mean, so much of it is physical, so much of it is the voice. So what, what do you do once you see the script on the page? How do you translate that? You know, I feel like playing comedy is... Like, a good secret to playing comedy is to play it like drama, except just way too much on either end. Like, if you're supposed to be happy, you're way happier than you should be. And if you're supposed to be sad, you're, you know, killing yourself. So that's one thing to think about. But I love the character of Karen because she has so much joy, like childlike joy, even though she's such a kind of on paper, um, not a very nice person. She has a lot of... um, Joy, which which makes her lovable somehow, in spite of everything on paper uh, seeming to indicate otherwise. Absolutely, I mean, she gets away with a lot. Mm-hmm. Oh, anything she wants. I mean, you know, she'll get her comeuppance in the end. But do you think so? Well, she <laughs> she gets re- redressed occasionally, but she doesn't care. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, how does it feel to be doing the show in front of a studio audience? I mean, it feels like TV has changed a lot, but, you know, it's good to see a multicam come back. Yeah, um, I think that's a really salient point, and you're the first one to bring it up. Um, all four of us have theater backgrounds, and, um, you know, that's, I started, I didn't even start as an actor. I started as a ballet dancer and, and a singer. Um, but then my first forays into acting are all on stage and you know uh, Deborah trained at NYU and Eric has done you know we've all like I've done three Broadway four Broadway shows three musicals um, Eric's done a Broadway musical Sean's done a Broadway musical Deborah's done New York theater um, I've always felt that Will and Grace is essentially farce and it's almost like a musical comedy without the music so uh you you just have the right four people to play that tone. It's a tone. And then, how much do you calibrate to the audience's reaction? Do you? How much does that factor into what you do? Well, nobody ever believed this, but back uh, in the day when we did the show the first time around, we would have up to a five minute what they call a laugh spread, meaning five minutes of laughs that had to be incorporated into the 22 minutes that are actually on film, you know, minus eight minutes of commercial. So they would have to cut a lot of things because the laughs would be so generous. And, um, you know, hopefully we'll we'll have that kind of problem again. But I think that playing to a live audience with this kind of comedy is really ideal. And the fact that multicam, the multicam format has kind of faded away in recent years, um, this might be just the right time to bring it back. It does. It's all cyclical. Jim Burroughs, you know, who's been around for a million years, worked on everything from Mary Tyler Moore. Taxi, Cheers, Friends, you know, all the great shows has said that it's, you know, it's always cyclical. Absolutely, and I think maybe the reason people are responding so much to this is because it is different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it is different. I heard the table read was fantastic. What was your experience? Oh, yeah, it was so, it was so fun. I, I broke character after the first scene. I said, this is so fucking weird. <laughs> <laughs> it was just so fucking crazy is what I said. This is so fucking crazy because, you know, it just felt like, well, here we are, of course, naturally, as we should be. You know, it just seems so, so so normal somehow. Is there something you missed about playing Karen? Um, yeah, you know, uh, it's very, very uncommon in a career as an actor to be lucky enough to get that kind of comedy writing and to have that kind of a character that you can really sink your teeth into and... That's, you know, we've just always had great writing, great writers, and um, collaborative. You know, I think all of us get the scripts and think, oh my God, this is hilarious. And then we bring our little things to it, and then the writers take those things and build on that, and it just keeps building and growing. But yeah, I, in, in the 11 years uh, since, I've been lucky to do a, work on a lot of really, really, really great projects. 
But I don't know that there's been anything that was writing-wise. Um, I won't say that, but there are very few things that have been up to the level of will and grace. It just doesn't happen. So how did it feel for you to get to say those words again? So exciting and so fun. How much do you work with Max and David? I mean, do you give them input into what you want to see Karen do, or you just sort of let you them present it? Yeah, I don't really give a lot of suggestions. Um, I've been offering some casting suggestions, just random, not even knowing what they want, but I'm just thinking of actors uh, I know who I think are brilliant, who are available right now, and just pitching people to them that they might not have thought of. And um, But no, I, I, I always trust... I, I trust them. They know that character. They, they, they know what they're doing. So who have you been pitching? Uh, I don't want to say. <laughs> I don't want to say because what if it doesn't happen? But really funny, good people. Excellent. And so. Um, and some women, and some people of colors. A little bit of diversity. Yeah. That would be a good thing. Yeah. What about Rosaria? We've seen, have we seen the last of her, or will she be returning? Well, um, I think today it was announced, and I'm, I'm really sad to say this, it makes me feel really emotional, that Shelley Morrison, who played Rosario, is retiring. Oh, no. From show business altogether. And I don't think that I'm going to miss her so much. I, Sorry, those are two different sentences. Um one sentence is, I'm going to miss her so much. I've stayed in touch with her over the years. As a matter of fact, I was planning to call her tonight. Um, you know, that relationship between Karen and Rosario is very important. And that void will have to be filled somehow. And I know that they'll come up with a great way to do it. Um, but I don't know that a lot of people realize that Shelley is 80 years old. Wow. She's 80. So, you know, she's had an incredible, long you know, beautiful career, and now she wants to have some time. It's understandable. Yeah. How's Karen going to cope with that? Well, it makes me feel really sad just talking about it, so I think that Karen will be very sad. There's a lot of love there, as much as they spar with each other. Oh, I've always believed it was love. It was all based on love. True love. True love. It was Karen's true love. Yeah. She was sorry. She was Karen's true love. Yeah. Um, when you look back at the original show, did you have a favorite episode or a moment that stood out for you? Gosh, you know, there's so many. Um, I didn't watch the show much. I've probably seen like three or four episodes in eleven years, just randomly. If Nick and I were in a hotel and we turned it on, and it was just like, oh my god, remember that? And. So I've been watching the show. I've watched the first four seasons, and I'm continuing to watch. And I was like, damn, that's a good show. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, they're, everybody's so good. Deborah is so good on it. Eric, Eric, never a false move. Sean, amazing, genius. I mean, it is like, it's a good one. And... <laughs> You know, I don't, I don't know. So I don't have, I don't know that I have an absolute favorite moment. There's so many funny, great things with, you know, some things with Karen and Jack, some things with Karen and Grace, some things with Karen and Will, or all of us together, yeah. Was the Karen and Jack thing instantaneous? Did that just immediately happen? It did, yeah. Sean and I did not have any scenes together during the pilot, but we were over in a corner pulling each other's pants down and weren't giggling. <laughs> and so the writers were like, um, I think we need to do something with this. And so in the first episode after the pilot, uh, Karen and Jack meet, and he's instantly smitten with her, her fabulousness, and she leans over the chair and shows him her butt. It's like they're two animals, you know, two monkeys. And um, and then they did the tummy touch and all of that. So it was just right away. We we do have a real. It's that rare. Oh gosh, it's so lucky if you ever get it even once in in a career. But that rare connection, um, where we 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 are we're almost we almost have like a psychic connection. Um, we can. We've there have been times in the past where we improvised a song together at the same time. Wow. You know? So 
we're really in sync with each other communically, and he, we're like brother and sister in real life. It's amazing, and I think that's what the reboot, the revival is bringing back together, that great chemistry, that the, yeah. especially the two of you, but also the four of you. Yeah, yeah, it's everybody. Mm-hmm. So the series finale kind of offered its own version of the future. How does this one reconcile with what's happened in the series finale? Well, the Max and David uh, thought long and hard about that, and I think they made a really good decision. They decided that the series finale doesn't exist <laughs> because, you know, that was a series finale, all right? Mm-hmm. This was in 2006 when, when a show's over, it's over forever, never to be seen again. So they wrote a series finale, and I thought it was a really good one. I loved it. And now the show, by some miracle, in an unprecedented way, is coming back. And they just said, you know, the series finale was 20 years in the future. This is 11 years in the future. Will and Grace have children. So do we make them parents? Because that's going to be... Then it has, Then it becomes a show about them being parents, good parents. Or do we make them horrible parents who don't pay any attention to their kids? You can't do that. So they just thought, eh, throw it out. We'll suspend our disbelief. If the audience wants the show, then, the, you know, that's that they're getting the show. And it's all explained within the, in a very, very smart way within the first scene of the first episode back. That's perfect. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. It's been thank a pleasure you. speaking with you. And best I of luck it. with the show. I'm excited. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's show. We'll be back next time with another great episode. We'll be talking with Joanne Froggett about her new series, Liar. See you next time. Mm-hmm.